0: Welcome to Grassroot Diplomat Talks, produced by Grassroot Diplomat, discussing innovative practices of diplomacy for a modern world. I'm your host, Talin Ramen Figueroa, and as the founder and executive director of Grassroot Diplomat, I thought it would be interesting to share with you my story on why I decided not to join the diplomatic foreign service after spending years pursuing it. I graduated from university wanting to change the world. I know it sounds really cliché. But I had a vision to travel the world, to see and experience as many different things as possible, with the intention of creating positive change. That was when I decided to take up the diplomatic route. I recall sitting in the office of my my trainer, he was a former diplomat, and I point blank asked him, how do you become a diplomat? And he gave me a very quizzical look, one eyebrow cocked up. And he responded by saying, either you're in the wrong place or you are exactly where you need to be right now. I studied Japanese and management. I was taught about the theories on how businesses became successful through strategies and financial economic models. None of which I was able to actually apply in the real world. At the time, none of it made much sense to me. But I understood governments and I wanted to learn more about how countries worked, how they united, how to make things better, how to improve, how to make the operating systems work a little bit more fluidly with each other. At the time, the idea of being a diplomat seemed like the right choice for me. I would join the Foreign Service and be on my way to changing the world. I got lucky because I had my first shot at seeing diplomacy in action when I was invited to join the United Nations Climate Change Conference in Copenhagen. That was how my journey to becoming a diplomatic entrepreneur began. So let me take a few steps back and tell you how this all happened. And I can still remember taking my first steps off the plane and onto Danish soil. There was a brisk chill in the air and beneath my big snowboarding jacket, I proudly wore a United Nations badge on the lapel of my business suit and a small Union Jack flag right next to it to represent my country. I felt like a diplomat and I looked the part. I had my passport and my invitation papers ready, and as I walked through the security gates as one of the British delegates to the United Nations summit, it was an incredibly proud moment for me. I was at one of the most important international summits of my generation. And I was about to witness a legally binding agreement that could shape the world's environmental policies for the next decade. I was walking into my dream job, even though I wasn't officially given a title. I was at a real negotiation scene where hundreds of diplomats would be discussing the fate of our environment. The excitement was short-lived, and I came to learn that the next seven days of the summit would be one of the most frustrating experiences for me. In practice... I heard diplomats representing their countries at the podium. I spoke to leaders behind closed doors. But I also saw thousands of people marching the streets of Copenhagen, begging to be heard, wanting change, declaring that our planet comes first before national interest, all in the name of one humanity. But I didn't hear their voices inside the negotiations. And I didn't see their voice make an impact with what was happening around me as I was surrounded by official global representatives. What is the national interest if it isn't about the people? Why have a summit when no one was listening? I remember asking myself, what is going on? Why was there such a big divide between our government leaders and the rest of the world? Why was there a lack of unity between what the government said was their national interest versus the interest of thousands of protesters who also represented the world and their countries? Something just didn't feel right to me. So I decided to ask and confront the diplomats I engaged with. While I was there, I must have met over 100 diplomats over the week from India as far out as Tuvalu and Mozambique. And I came to realise what their purpose at the conference was. Every diplomat had an official statement to make. And just being present was enough to make a stand. I was under the impression that the whole point of a negotiation was naturally to come up with a compromise solution that member states could adhere to, right? But no one was listening to each other. Each country took their turn to make their statement and talk about cooperating with each other. But there was a lack of action in making that cooperation happen. So, seven days, I was in Copenhagen. And I found myself sighing in frustration and shaking my head in anger. And I actually felt stuck and helpless and incredibly frustrated by the system. Now, don't get me wrong, there were a handful of incredible representatives there. In fact, Tuvalu really stuck out to me. They were so incredibly passionate about the issue of climate change, spoke about how the people were being affected, gave inspirational and very personal stories that they shared on stage with all of the other delegates and they were one of the loudest voices I heard in trying to desperately come up with some change but it wasn't enough and they would all applaud and say well there's nothing else we can do about this. I come from a background of being a very passionate activist I had worked for several non-government organisations prior to my diplomatic training. Deep down, I came into this conference being a passionate activist first and then everything else afterwards. And I really felt as though this conference could make a big difference to climate change. But policymakers rarely put climate change at the top of their agenda. Economics always came first. In fact, I had a diplomat argue with me that it was unfair to be capped a lower emission in their country because they never got the chance to go through an industrial revolution like the United Kingdom and therefore were falling behind in their own economic renaissance. And he argued that this was the position of his country and the decision to not agree to lower emissions was in the best interest of his country. I didn't agree and the only thing he could do was shrug, wishing he could say something a little bit more positive positive. But that was the position that his country was taking on the matter. I quickly learned that if my country had very little interest in another country, my job would be to not pay them too much attention, even if I personally felt differently about them. At the end of the day, my personal feelings and my values and my vision wouldn't matter so long as I represented the voice of my country. But the voice of my country wasn't really about the people. It was the voice of the government or whoever was in power at the time. And that was the first time I would be confronted with the limitations faced by the diplomatic service. In practice, the national interest was predetermined by their headquarters, irrespective of the conference itself. That was when I decided that I didn't just want to be a voice box for my country, even though that was what I had originally envisioned. I didn't want to represent my country if I didn't agree with the message I was sending out to the rest of the world. I didn't feel comfortable with the options of either towing the line or leaving the Foreign Service if I didn't want to represent my government anymore. And the very thought of leaving the Foreign Service after all of the hard work I would put into just because I had a clash of personal interests was a decision that I didn't want to make. I wanted to work with as many different countries as possible without national interest clouding my judgement. But I believe there is a wide lack of understanding to what diplomats do, and there is often an idealistic vision of what the job entails. But I also believe that the way diplomacy is practised needs to change so that we can meet the challenges of today's more modern challenges. I started grassroots Diplomat with the intention to innovate how diplomacy is practised. To help governments move beyond the national interest to focus on the needs of their people. Diplomacy is falling behind because of technology and people are trusting the governments less and less because commitments don't often work in the favour of the people. I really think that diplomats are in a unique position to become local leaders for their country. Diplomats and embassies have the power to influence how their country is perceived by outsiders by utilising technology and easing administrative bureaucracies. Grasso Diplomat aims to make diplomacy effective for a modern world. But the mindset of how diplomacy is practiced needs to change so that operations are a little bit more fluid. And the work of diplomacy is not just something that modern day diplomats do. Diplomacy is everybody's business. International relations affects us all in our day-to-day lives. If there is one thing I learned being on the diplomatic scene, it is that there is never a better time to modernize how governments operate or making an embassy more actively visible, or teaching civilians themselves how to become citizen diplomats. If you are interested in learning more about the activities of Grassroot Diplomat, please visit our website at www.grassrootdiplomat.org and consider joining us as a member or patron. You can also join the Grassroot Diplomat Academy to freshen your diplomatic leadership skills and consider powerful roots on increasing the brand and reputation of your country. You have been listening to Grassroot Diplomat Talks. I am Tarlene Raman Figueroa, and I hope to hear from you soon.